Well, gang, it's 10 o'clock. From WDBX Carbondale, time for... Okay, Boomer. Okay, kid, we have got a program for you. The high points of Okay, Boomer for 2022. I'm Robert Rickman. We'll hear Boomer-specific news stories, hilarious features, rock and rock music, walks around the radio station and elsewhere, coffee breaks and brain fog, and it's all coming to you right now. But first, some serious news. Boomer news from WGNS. No, brain fog again. Boomer news from WDBX. For some, and we're going to have a uh, brain fog segment of this program, so stand by. It's going to be interesting. For some people, the holidays can not only be challenging, but terrifying. So says Jill Grasowitz, director of the Marion Senior Citizen Center and former manager of the Alzheimer's Association's Southern Illinois office. I think that with Alzheimer's or dementia or Parkinson's or Lewy body, that this is the holiday season. You've got family coming and going. You might take your loved one on a vacation. You might uh, have your loved one who lives at home and you put them in respite care so you can go on vacation. Or you go visit your children or your grandchildren and you take grandma or grandpa with you. These are all very traumatic events. They're going to be seeing people that they don't normally see. And these people may not know how their symptoms have progressed. And they say, hey, you know, Uncle Robert, don't you remember me, right? And Uncle Robert's super embarrassed and thinking, instead of doing that, you don't be like, hey, Uncle Robert, it's Jill. How are you doing? And make that person feel at ease. Also, don't stress about presence. So like the movie that we all love where Cousin Eddie comes to town and the aunt wraps up her cat in a box. If she wraps her cat up, you love it. But also don't be stuck on, I have to get her the perfect gift. What am I gonna get her? What does someone with cognitive impairment use? Blankets are great things, pajamas, simple things like that. Not crossword puzzles? No, not crossword puzzles. Something that's less demeaning, something nice and luxurious. I mean, you can can get a blanket at Walmart for five or ten dollars and package it and make it look and feel luxurious. Make them feel good. Make them feel like everyone else, not a child. Be aware of their age and what is an appropriate gift, but don't stress about the gifts. Something simple, something they're gonna use all the time. Also, I think when you do go on vacation, this is a traumatic event. So if you take your loved one with you, say you're gonna go out of town to your, your family's house and you're taking your parents, your grandparents with you, they're in a different environment. They've taken a long road trip, whether by plane, train, sea, you know, you never know. Yeah. Um, be aware that they have had their world turned upside down. You need to be sure that you're safe at night. There's, you know, balconies. Make sure the 
the uh, sliding doors are locked because they're going to be confused. They're going to wonder where they're at. And you need to take those precautions and keep that into consideration. And that is Jill Graskwitz, former manager of the Alzheimer's Association Southern Illinois office and current director of Club 60, the Marion Senior Citizen Center. We'll talk with Jill next week about dementia and first responders who are usually the police. We'll also be hearing from Jill later this hour about something no one wants to talk about but may have to use someday, adult diapers. And now to culture. What's happening to all of those books boomers have been collecting all of their lives? Sarah Heyer of the Confluence Bookstore in Carbondale has a surprise for you. Sarah, what you have noticed is that people are coming in not just to buy books, but to leave them on the front porch as donations as they downsize their home libraries because baby boomers are moving into smaller houses or leaving town or going into assisted living. And there are lots of books that they need to unload, which is the bulk of our collection. But it also becomes a community service in taking all the books, which we do, and then sorting them out into ones that we can give away, sell for a buck, give to Goodwill, sell for three bucks, or put onto the website, put into the system, into the database. It sounds to me like you're running a very complicated library. Or a recycling service in some ways. You never thought you'd be getting into something like this once you bought this bookstore or, or founded it. No, I didn't know what I was getting into, I guess. But it's working out, and it's a, everyone who comes in says, oh, it's so nice, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for taking my books off my hands because people respect books. They don't want to just throw them away. They want them to go to somebody else, especially if they enjoyed the book. They want somebody else to enjoy it also. And I want to continue that spirit. And that's Sarah Heyer of Confluence Books in Carbondale, who is also a WDBX underwriter. Now let's talk retirement, but not in your scotch slippers, petting Fido next to the fireplace while reading a good book. No, we're talking about a different type of retirement because some boomers are retiring to the streets. Becky Salazar of the Egyptian Area Agency on Aging told me earlier this year that she saw an uptick in homeless seniors in southern Illinois. Just based on the number of calls that we get about uh, either from landlords or current people needing to find a place to live because they're getting evicted and that kind of thing, I've noticed more calls um, probably since the COVID pandemic. Um, that just of uh, having trouble making rent payments. Um, l landlords a lot of times will call us to see if there's any help because they don't want to evict a senior and, you know, have them on the streets. Or um, And then we've had families call and say, well, you know, my mom's being evicted. Do you have any information on other low-cost housing they might be able to afford because they couldn't afford, you know, where they're at. What can you do for these people who don't want to be evicted who have no control over, over what's happening to them? Well, uh, it's somewhat limited. Sometimes we can talk to a housing authority that will 
uh, allow them to move in and pay you know how you usually have to have like first month's rent and and that and they'll let them pay that over time gradually and i mean very gradually where they pay you know 20 extra dollars a month to try to make up some of those fees to get into a new place and uh and maybe reevaluate their circumstances to see if they're um can get more subsidy towards the housing meaning they have they can pay less uh some folks it's trying to find a place that they can afford on their income and unfortunately a lot of times you're you're going to a place where there's um you know I hate to use the word slumlords but places that aren't very good landlords the places in a bad neighborhood it's it's not well kept if they have issues it's not going to be covered and um you know a lot of times they're not insulated so then their utility bills are going to be out the roof even though their rent is lower so um and then utilities becomes a concern and that was becky salazar director of the egyptian area agency on aging so some seniors don't have enough money for a comfortable retirement plus some senior centers are providing more services with less funding this according to Christy Bussler of the West Frankfurt Senior Citizen Center. Most of our funding comes to us through the Older Americans Act, and that's distributed to us through the Egyptian Area Agency for Aging. We do get uh, some, some amount of funding from our county through uh, property taxes, um, equalized assessed values. However, what I am finding is that although the amount of money taken in from property taxes continues to rise the actual percentage allocated to senior centers is declining at almost the exact rate um, and in addition to that the um, the number of seniors in our area also continues to climb so we are in fact providing more services but receiving less funding and that includes lunch lunches in the area are about three to four dollars at the senior centers and they are delicious particularly at west frankfurt speaking of which let's talk about my money this summer i drove all the way from carbondale to murfreesboro the senior center there to buy a pair of pants from celeste williams this shop is basically a thrift store but we carry everything we carry clothes we carry we get donations of antiques we carry electronics anything that comes in the back door you'll find here uh if we can't if we don't feel that we can use it we will donate it to someone else i came in one day after trying to shop for a business shirt mm -hmm. and i was finding that even at the cheaper places, it was like 30 or $40. Mm -hmm. I bought a shirt here and a pair of trousers, mm -hmm. and they looked new. In fact, I'm wearing the mm -hmm. trousers right now. And both of them cost together how much? Probably $4. That's right, $4. Mm -hmm. Stay with me now. We're still talking about money. Here's the ultimate cash question. How much is your health worth? Karen Cripps of the Insurance House in Marion is quite frank about what health insurance is all about. Um, you know, if you want very good coverage, even when you're healthy, you're going to be paying a higher premium than if you were to take on some of that cost yourself. Um, and you have to kind of decide and, and figure out how, you know, how comfortable do you feel leaving some exposure for yourself? 
Karen Cripps of the Insurance House in Marion talking about Medicare insurance and risk. Karen handles Medicare supplemental insurance, not Medicare Advantage. Now, do you remember the commercial years ago when the announcer talked about toilet paper? Well, Jill Graskowitz is with us again, and I talked about um, urinary incontinence. It makes me so uncomfortable, I'm stuttering. And we also used the word depends, which is an adult diaper. Now, WDBX does not endorse this brand, but are using the word because people easily recognize what we're talking about. These are just candid conversations that somebody needs to talk about. And no one does until you're in that, oh, crap moment. Literally, crap. And you have to go out immediately and figure out how am I going to solve this issue in a dignified manner so I can go out and continue living the lifestyle that I'm used to living or otherwise I'm going to stay home and I'm going to become a hermit and I'm not going to leave. I'm going to sit in my chair and I'm going to sit on a chuck because I don't want to get anything on my chair. And that's, I think, how it starts. That's the beginning of the end. Once you sit down in that chair, you're saying, I give up. It's over. But if you can find something out there that works for you, that gives you that independence in a dignified manner, then the world's at your fingertips. You can continue doing what you had fun doing. Go find that right pair of special underwear that are very expensive. The senior version of Victoria's Secret. Try them out. And then go back out on the town and have coffee with your buddies. And you have that confidence to know that no one's going to hear me. No one else at this table is going to know that I'm wearing these things. They're comfortable. Hey, I'm telling you, firsthand experience. They are not bad. I wouldn't mind wearing them for a while. Well, you spoke just a minute ago about needing to have this conversation. We just had it. We did. And I think people need to continue to have it because as these incontinence products continue to evolve like they have, I think they're going to get greater and better and even more dignified. I've even noticed for young girls who are starting their periods, you can go to these fancy underwear stores they have in the malls and you could buy period panties. So why can't we have some incontinence panties that are pretty? It almost makes me feel like being incontinent. Do you feel pretty? No, I haven't shaved today. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know what your underpants look like, but I hope you're wearing some non-holy ones because who knows, when you go home in the car, you know, your mom always told you, always change your underpants because you never know if you're going to get in a wreck. I'm going to drive very carefully today. Not only that, because my, my tag is also expired. Oh, yes, definitely. You're going to be in trouble. Yeah, but I didn't, and I was wearing, well, never mind. That was Jill Graskowitz. She's the director of Club 60 at the Marion Senior Citizen Center. And now it's time for our COVID-19 brain fog segment. I caught COVID-19 in late August. I wasn't sleeping very well and was tired all the time, but I didn't really feel sick. 
However, for nearly four months, brain fog followed me around like a bad smell, and it attacked me just as I went on the air today using the wrong call letters of a radio station in Nashville, Tennessee, which I used to work for. So I still have brain fog occasionally. However, there were at least three brain fog events broadcast on OK Boomer this summer, starting with the show open the week I returned to the program after quarantine. Let's go back to that time. It's 10 o'clock at W... Oh my gosh, I forgot the station. Where is it? Oh, there it is. WDBX. Carbondale. This is Robert Rickman with Brain Fog. (laughs) It's going to be one heck of a program. You better stay tuned. (laughs) Do you think a lot of this has to do with the fact that the baby boomers, the largest generation in history, is getting old? Uh, Partially, yes. (laughs) Yes, we are. Well, first of all, it's more economical to live in a small town than it is the city. And then secondly, uh, as you say, this uh, we're getting older, and uh, it, it's a good thing. I I, um, I I said then also incorporating, and then Southern Illinois is. For a minute, I had to stop and think. She's thinking, folks. <laughs> she's seventy-six years old. She's had COVID, and her daughter thinks she's getting senile. So we're going to stand by and let her collect her thoughts. We are in Murfreesboro, Illinois. It's Murfreesboro. He keeps he thinks we're in Tennessee, folks. It's not just me that's losing, okay? As we go on on OK Boomer, okay? Okay, now I didn't hear that very well. Let's try that again. And I want it loud. All right, that's loud enough. And that wraps up. What's the name of the show? Oh, okay, Boomer. That's that COVID hitting me again. We'll be in next week at 10 o'clock on WDBX Carbondale. Okay, Boomer. Well, I'm sorry, kid. Let's change the subject, okay? (laughs) You know, for a broadcaster, forgetting the call letters, that's in the old days they would have put my head on a stick outside the station entrance. Anyway, what kind of library allows you to borrow a sander or a hammer or electric drill? It's a tool library. Now, a few weeks ago, I was strolling around the WDBX Fall Festival when I came upon a table full of tools. Let's go back to that clanking moment. The tool library reminds me of going to the Carbondale library and picking up books only instead of picking up books you pick up uh, tools or various sorts like saws, drills, hammers, um, chop saws, power washer, um, garden tools, rakes, whatever, you know, all sorts of implements. Now, is this a free lending library or do they pay a fine? I'm sorry, do they pay a charge? Uh, It's completely free to any resident of Southern Illinois. Uh, You just need some sort of uh, proof of address to sign up and then it's, you know, to start checking stuff out here and there, you know. Where do the tools come from? Uh, Donations from the public. We get almost everything from just individuals who are, you know, uh, needing to clear out a garage or maybe they inherited a bunch of tools from someone and don't really need them they want to pass them along and so yeah that's almost everything has come from that kind of just donation based uh, 
kind of thing. And then sometimes, you know, we find tools or we're asked to come and like check something out or help something out and we get tools that way, you know. Could you describe the tools you have and other implements on your table? Uh, currently out here at the WDBX Fest, we have like a uh, jigsaw, a couple of uh, corded drills, a bunch of hammers, we've got a chop saw. Um, underneath the table, we got a Sawzall, a air compressor, and a shop vac. Uh, there's a sander over there, a couple of clamps hanging out, you know. General, general a couple of tools for showing off things, you know. Uh, my name is Maddie Stearns. I'm actually a DJ at WDBX also, yeah. Yeah, I remember you. Yeah, yeah. I walk in at 9.55 in the morning, and there you are. Oh, yeah, it's because I'm on at uh, 9 a.m. on Tuesday mornings right before you for Counter Power Radio Hour. Okay, Boomer. Oh, great, Emily. You approve. Well, some of this you're going to approve uh, that we're going to be doing next, and some of it you're going to disapprove. What led me to the WDBX Fall Fest was an unfamiliar door. Yes, since I was new to the station, I was naturally curious and wanted to discover what was behind each door. <laughs> uh, sometimes it led to a pleasant stroll to places like the Station Garden or the WDBX Chamber of Commerce and Visitor Center, but other times... Oh, no. Let's get up. Oh, it always hurts. And walk to the coffee room. And walk along here and... You know, I've always wondered what that door over there goes to. Whoa! Uh, okay, now I know where it goes. Um, two things. First, the door hinges need lubrication. And second, the Illinois Central Main Line between Chicago and New Orleans needs to be moved three miles to the west. We will continue our walk. It's part of my exercise program. It's time now for a coffee break. Yes, I uh, work a short day. And we're walking through the uh, radio station, past the station jacuzzi, the uh, station underground parking lot, the subway system. And we're getting to the coffee machine. And uh, what I did is I bought this big, big mug. Anyway, oh, the coffee looks delicious. What, what um, the physical therapist told me to do as far as balance, because I have had some balance problems, is to stand on one foot and hold the other foot up like I'm doing right now at the counter here. Hold on. Let me, let me grab the coffee. Take a little... Mm, that coffee... Oh, 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 oh. oh sh Sugar... That's the garden, and it says Grandma's Jazz, a lady standing in front of me in black, and, and are you Grandma? I am, and Great Grandma. A and what's your name? Jean Armstrong. I've heard you on the radio. Yes, I just got off the radio a few minutes ago. On this Saturday afternoon. Now, I was invited to the WDBX Garden, but I didn't expect this. Let's take a look at what we've got here. All right, let's look. The bikers music. and music. There are always bikers going around. So this whole thing has been set up for WDBX. Absolutely, absolutely. We have vendors. Um, the whole block is blocked off. 
and we have a stage at each end and on this stage we have some girls literally girls a girls band uh, young girls that are very very good you, you can hear them and they're absolutely tremendous it's the magic of radio let's get up though Ooh, it always hurts and take a walk we're going to be walking to a special place a place you haven't seen yet in your mind but you're going to see it right now. Are you in for a surprise? Here it is. We're entering the WDBX Chamber of Commerce and Visitor Center to meet senior members Raj and Bob to sing about this forgotten part of the country that's unlike any place on earth. Raj and Bob sing about friendly people, SIU, the air, hicks and ticks and howdy. So a big howdy goes out to these illustrious two guys, Raj and Bob. Have you ever been to Carbondale? Then you're close to something you might want to see. Listen close and you might hear a tale of a place where maybe you might want to be. It doesn't snow much in the wintertime. And in the spring and fall, the weather's mainly fair. Come and visit in the summertime. And have you heard about the air? Have you heard about the air that comes in from the Gulf? Forget about a perm straight. Hair is good enough. Don't ever understate. To say it's humid isn't fair. Have you heard about the air? Did you meet the local populace? They tell you howdy and they try to make you smile. From Vienna to Metropolis. They're kind of proud of how they go the extra mile to make the place a better place to be. But if you move here, then you'll have to learn the tricks. You gotta smile and wave to everyone. Howdy! And have you heard about the Hicks? Have you heard about the Hicks? Driving in their trucks, hounding out the quail and shooting at the ducks, subsidizing beer and pissing in the cricks. Have you heard about the Hicks? scenery the university and a half dozen man-made lakes with miles and miles and miles of greenery bird diversity and not too many snakes there are several local wineries but you better never try to visit six if you're touring in an afternoon and have you heard about the ticks have you heard about the ticks crawling in your hair Sucking out your blood from in your underwear. They give you Lyme disease and they put you in a fix. Have you heard about the ticks? And have you heard about the hicks? Driving in their trucks, hounding out the quail and shooting at the ducks. Subsidizing beer and pissing in the cricks. Have you heard about the hicks? And have you heard about the air? It comes in from the gulf. Forget about a perm straight. Hair is good enough, don't ever understate. To say it's human isn't fair. Have you heard about the air? Have you heard about the hicks? Have you heard about the ticks? 
everybody. It's the White Raven from the Hot, Hot, Hot Louisiana Gumbo Pot right here on WDBX, Sundays, 12 to 2. Join me and all the Gumbo Pot heads where I'll be bringing you all the best music from Louisiana, New Orleans, the Bayou with a little bit of Delta Blues thrown in for good measure. So all you swamp rats, grab your Zydeco shoes, meet me in the Gumbo Pot at high noon. We always pass a good time, Chef. Peace, love, and Zydeco. Aye! Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're back live and direct on OK Boomer from WDBX. And now to OK Boomer's first investigative report. We needed to disguise this person's voice for security reasons, and we can't reveal where he is speaking from or where he worked. All we can say is that the incident in question occurred at a place where boomers congregate somewhere on planet Earth. What happened? Was it during the night or during the day? Of what? When when you smelled the pot smoke? Uh, I, I assume you're referring to during the day when we were working? Yes, and, and you... You uh, smelled some pot smoke in the parking lot? Yes, it's uh, it's a very distinct smell. I mean, you can't, you really can't miss it. You know, once you're familiar with the smell or you're around it, you know, it's, it's unlike anything else. I mean, it's it's a plant that just has its own smell. It's got its own unique smell. Well, I've never smelled it before in my life. <clears throat> anyway, uh, what did you assume based on this distinctive odor? You know, as a younger generation, we it was considered a drug. And, you know, everybody, it was more of a, uh, you know, something to stay away from. But as you got older, you learned that it was more of a medical purpose, whether or not, you know, people still abuse it or not you know it's people still do but based on smelling it out there what did you think was happening it's really hard to say i mean you definitely knew that it was in the car and somebody was definitely doing it and was this person 15 maybe 25 or over 65 def i'd say definitely over 65 because the parking lot was in an area where you had baby boomers park, right? Yes. Did you see anybody smoking pot? No. Have you known of anybody coming in to this facility uh, with, say, gummies? No. Have you seen anybody who you thought might be uh, intoxicated by marijuana? No. Okay, so all you have is some evidence based on the odor that somebody was smoking pot in a car. Yes, just the distinct smell. Uh, do you think it was more than one car or several cars? I would say more than one car, but you know, once you once you smell it from one car, it can linger. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, or pinpoint, you know, if you had 10 cars and you have one one car that had it in it, you might mistake five of the cars that have marijuana in it. But looking at it from another angle, there might be five cars with marijuana in it, too. Yes, there could be. 
Okay, so basically what, you, what you're saying is that you smelled the odor of pot and you assumed that uh, somebody in a car was smoking. Yes, I would assume. That was our first investigative report, and I'm proud of it. And I'm in the break room now looking at the WDBX. Mm, coffee is delicious. The WDBX telephone booth. And I'm reminded of last summer when I spotted it after they cleared up some debris that was piled up back there, and uh, I heard the telephone ring, and I thought, what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on? Closed the door and said, hello. Hi. What is this? Is this Anna? <laughs> this is definitely Anna. Well, how did you get the phone number to the radio station? I looked it up on the internet. Oh, well, okay. Oh, I just saw a note on the phone that says Anna's calling. Oh, I put that note on the phone. It's the COVID brain fog again. Well, Anna, how are you doing? What What are you up to in Houston? I'm taking a walk. Walking through your neighborhood, I assume? Yes. Although I'm headed for a neighborhood bayou. A neighborhood bayou, well... Considering it's Houston, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, do you often take walks? Because I've talked to you on the phone several times, and uh, many times you're walking. Yes, I try to take a walk every day. I count my steps, and I uh, was starting out with about 5,000 steps, and I'm working my way up. Uh, this week, I've done really good. I, I went over 8,000 steps. I averaged 8,000 steps a, a day. Well, that's a lot of steps. How, how far is 8,000 steps for you? I don't know. <laughs> a couple of miles, maybe? Maybe. I'm thinking more a mile and a half. Wow. Now, we went to school together back in the 1970s, so you're not 39 anymore. Darn. Would it be okay if I were to tell your approximate age? Why don't we just leave it that we both went to school in the 70s and let them figure it out? 70 to 74. Okay, so why do you count your steps and why do you do a lot of walking? Well, I want to stay in shape and I am no athlete. I mean, I'm not interested in marathon running. Um, I like swimming, but it's a hassle washing my hair and drying it and everything afterwards. Um, I don't mind riding a bike, but the last time I rode a bike, I had an accident. So I just I'm just sticking to walking. And I figure if I walk some every day, um, my insurance company gave me a pedometer back in the 90s. And that's when I started walking, and I've been pretty pretty good about it ever since. And Anna continued to walk last summer. What about people who don't exercise, who have never exercised since maybe high school? I asked trainer Alexis Dawn at Planet Fitness in Carbondale this question while I was riding my bike. I saw years ago at a YMCA a guy who came in who wasn't in very good shape and he got into it. I mean, he got, he really got into it. Every day, hey, I'm working out, I'm having fun. And I thought to myself, he's not gonna last very long. And what happened, within probably six months, he disappeared completely. And then a year later, he came in, overweight, contrite, and started to get. Have you seen that happen? 
Yes, actually, I just saw that happen recently. Um, I had someone who had had um, a surgery, a weight loss surgery. I don't remember exactly which one, but he was he had never worked out before. He was ready to come in, turn the um, the all the flab. He was ready to turn all that into muscle, obviously, um, and he was ready. We got him a program. He started taking my classes. It only lasted maybe a week. Um, I haven't seen him back since, which is really sad to think about. Um, but it, it's like I was just saying that initial like motivation, ready to go. Sometimes motivation doesn't get you through. You know that that's just like a a, a temporary feeling, and that that doesn't necessarily last. That's not long term. So that's Alexis Don, my trainer at Planet Fitness in Carbondale. Now let's return to the 1970s, 1971 with the Jet. Roger Ramjet. Now, if you remember the old cartoon series, Roger Ramjet, this Roger Ramjet looked a lot like the cartoon character. His name, his actual name was Roger Davis, but he called himself Roger Ramjet on WIDB. And here is one of the bloopers because somebody put the wrong tape in the wrong place and... The next 60 minutes, you will hear 55 minutes of bull****. On the Roger Ramjet Show, it's 502 at WIDB. Solid gold weekend at Together 6. And uh, no more needs to be said. Except that we're going back to 1970 for Mungo Jerry in the summertime. In the summertime when the weather is high. Mungo Jerry in the summertime. That was back in 1971. Now we're in 2022. Sweet Talking Woman was a number 17 hit for the Electric Light Orchestra and the third of six ELO favorites on my playlist. Jeff Lynn wrote this song, which was originally called Dead End Street, but he didn't like the way it turned out, so the lyrics were rewritten. R-R-P. Here's Sweet Talking Woman from the Electric Light Orchestra. And that's Roger Ramchett, and he and I worked on a radio station in Eastern Iowa, and uh, we worked together at WSIU in Carbondale and WIDB. And finally, we revisit the crime of the century, November 22, 1963, and how a 500-watt station in southern Illinois broke the story about the man who assassinated John F. Kennedy. Bob Smith of the Off-Ramp talked with Southern Illinois radio legend Don Mitchell, who owned WRAJ Radio in Anna, Illinois. I'd like to go back to the most remarkable thing that I know you did, and that happened on November 22, 1963. Maybe you could take us back to that day, that famous phone call you made. One JFK was shot, you mean? Yes. Uh, I, I was home for lunch, and my friend called me. And he said, uh, you know, the, the, he had just heard on CBS that uh, President Kennedy was shot. I said, oh, thank you, goodbye. And five minutes later, I was at the radio station. The, the, the uh, teletype machine had been ding, 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 you know. And Bob Daly, who was on the only person there during the noon hour, thought it was just a, a telephone ringing and ignored it. And uh, so we... we uh, rigged up a microphone to, very quickly to, to go into the teletype booth where the news was coming in, and I read the 
bulletins right off the uh, right off the wire as they came in. Uh, what kept people listening to WRAJ was uh, they thought if they turned it off, they're liable to miss something they would have liked to heard. That day, you were worried they were missing something because TV was running a story and the teletype had gone dead. Yeah, and uh, I, I, we had just gotten uh, direct dial phone service in Anna, Illinois, and I called the Dallas Police Department. From November 22nd, 1963. Lieutenant Rebel, this is Don Mitchell of WRAJ News in Anna, Illinois, calling to find out, have you uh, uh, located the assassin of President Kennedy? Uh, I think so. We, he killed one of our officers, and he was arrested shortly after. Uh, he was on the floor when the president was killed. What were the circumstances when he killed the officer? Uh, I'm, I'm not familiar, too familiar with it, but I think it was a traffic violation. I see. He killed the officer, just uh, shot him uh, a couple of times. I mean, how did you know this person was the one? Well, i tell you what, I've been so busy here trying to. I had the security on the president, so uh, I was... Uh, at the uh, auditorium where he was to speak, and I was uh, there when it happened. I see. And uh, all I'm getting is just uh, piecemeal information, really, uh-huh. as to what actually happened. The officer who arrested him is here. Would you like to talk to him? Yes, I certainly would. Oh. Hello, who am I speaking with, please? Uh, this is Detective Taylor. Detective Taylor? Yes, sir. Uh, did, you erect the, do you, did you arrest the person who is uh, thought to be the assassin? Yes, sir, I assisted. And uh, how did it come about? Uh, we had information that he was in a theater. I see. Texas Theater in uh, Oak Cliff of Dallas. You received a tip on that? Yes. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Then what? We went to that uh, theater and went in there and found him hiding in the uh, lower uh, lower floor theater. Uh-huh. Did he admit? Uh, well, uh, not readily, no, sir. Uh, he's upstairs now with our homicide uh, bureau, and they're uh, talking to him. I don't know whether he's admitted it yet or not. I see. Did uh, he shoot one of your officers inside the theater? Sir? Did he shoot and kill one of your officers oh, inside sir, the theater? Was, uh, before we... Before he went to the theater, he shot and killed one of our officers. How did he happen to do that? Was this a traffic violation? Uh, I understand a traffic violation. The officer stopped him, and he uh, he shot him. I see. And um, what uh, he is being uh, held up upstairs. Do you have his name? Sir? Do you have his name? Uh, yes, sir. What is his name? Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, O-S-W-A-L-D. Wow. Did you think on your feet that day, Don? You were asking all these questions about his height, his race, how he was arrested, what weapon did they think he used, did he resist? You ask all these questions that, in the shock of the assassination, many professionals might have just forgotten. But you didn't. What in the world was your secret? How did you get them to speak to you? Well, you know, (laughs) in a simple answer, just ask. (laughs) Just amazing how you did that. Well, it's just amazing how easy it is to navigate through people. Uh, If you know where you're going and are very well prepared, uh, make a reasonable request to them. It's amazing how easy it is to get people to do your answers. And uh, whenever you call anywhere from Illinois, people assume you are from Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so they thought I was from a big-time radio station. And uh, as soon as we completed that, we played that tape on the air, and then I called the uh, UPI National Bureau, which was in Chicago at that time, and told them I had the name of uh, 
the, the assassin. Yes, that was the first time that the UPI had the name was from you. Nobody knew at the time. Yeah. Moments after UPI in Chicago heard that call, teletypes jerked into action spelling out the name of Lee Harvey Oswald for the very first time. Our next unique recording comes thanks to Dave Eliason, the late Dave Eliason, who was a news director at the Iowa radio station where I worked in the 1970s, KDTH. Dave told me he had something he thought might help and brought in a box of reel-to-reel recordings from that weekend. I put Dave's recordings and mine together to produce this montage. Two years ago, I said that, uh, introduced myself in Paris by saying that I was the man who had accompanied uh, Mrs. Kennedy to Paris. I'm getting that somewhat that same sensation uh, as I travel around uh, Texas. Nobody wonders what Lyndon and I wear. (laughs) President Kennedy has offered a large Texas hat. Put it on in the uh, White House on Monday. If you'll come up there, you'll have a chance to see it there. Just a few minutes ago, the President of the United States turned from Houston Street onto Elm Street on his way to a scheduled luncheon appearance at the Stemmons Trademark. As the President turned, applause broke out from a sparse crowd on both sides of the street. And as he went by the Texas School Book Depository, headed for the triple underpass, there were three loud, reverberating explosions. Nobody moved. Everyone seemed stunned. A few seemed to look around, wondering who has the firecrackers. Then suddenly, the Secret Service men sprang into action. The convertible bearing the President and Mrs. Kennedy sped away. And officers, both plainclothes and uniformed, seemed to spring from everywhere at once, guns drawn, ordering people to lie flat. There are two witnesses who were near the president's car at the time of the explosions who say that shots were fired from which upper window we do not know. We do not and cannot confirm the reports at this time that the president has been shot. One witness says he definitely was shot, that he was hit twice, that he saw the president slump in his seat. As I say, this is not confirmed at this time. From where I am, the police have two witnesses. They are bringing them in now. I'm in the Texas School Book Depository Building. They're bringing some witnesses in now. We will try to learn further and relay word to the station. Stay tuned for further details. This is Pierce Allman from the Texas School Book Depository Building for WFAA News. Put me on, Phil. Put me on. Phil, am I on? We're here at the trademark. The motorcade is coming by here. I can see many, many motorcycles coming by now. Police motorcycles. Just heard a call on the radio for all units along industrial to pick up the motorcade. Something has happened here. We understand there has been a shooting. The presidential car coming up now. We know it's the presidential car. You can see Mrs. Kennedy's pink suit. There's a Secret Service man spread eagle over the top of the car. We understand Governor and Mrs. Connolly are in the car with President and Mrs. Kennedy. We can't see who has been hit, if anybody's been hit, but apparently something is wrong here. Something is terribly wrong. I'm in behind the motorcade. Nothing to follow them. It looks as though they're going to Parkland Hospital. We're on the road to Parkland at this time. And I thought about it. And I gave it a great deal of thought, Grandpa. Here is a bulletin from CBS News. 
In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. More details just arrived. These details about the same as previously. President Kennedy shot today just as his motorcade left downtown Dallas. Mrs. Kennedy jumped up and grabbed Mr. Kennedy. She called, oh no, the motorcade sped on. We interrupt this program for a bulletin. President Kennedy and Governor John Connolly of Texas were both hit by a would-be assassin's bullet as they toured downtown Dallas in an open automobile a short while ago. That is the latest word that had just come in from Dallas on United Press International. Uh, the Associated Press, in its first report, says that President Kennedy was shot just as his motorcade left downtown Dallas. Mrs. Kennedy, who was riding with him, jumped up and grabbed Mr. Kennedy and cried, Oh, no. The motorcade sped on. Riding in the same car with the president for this particular motorcade was Governor and Mrs. John B. Connolly, the governor of the state of Texas. According to the last report, both the president and the governor were hit by the bullets. And now one more ad has come in. John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the 35th president of the United States is dead at the age of 46, shot by an assassin as he drove through the streets of Dallas, Texas, less than an hour ago. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Vice President Lyndon Johnson <clears throat> has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th president of the United States. He was coming down the street, and my five-year-old boy and myself were by ourselves on the grass there on Commerce Street. And I asked Joe to wave to him, and Joe waved, and I waved in the man. The man. That's all right, sir. You waved. As he as he was waving back, he was he was. The shot rang out, and he slumped down in the seat, and his wife reached up toward him, and as he, as he was slumping down, and the second shot went off, and it just knocked him down from, from the seat. The two shots? Two shots. Did you see the man who did the... No, sir, I did not see the man who did it. I, I, all, I, all I did was look in the man's face when he was shot there and saw that expression on his face and grab himself and slide. And the second one, whenever it went, why, I'm positive it had hit him. I hope it didn't, but I'm positive that it hit him, and, it's, and he went all the way down in the car. Then they speeded up, and I didn't know what was going on, so I just grabbed the boy and fell on him in hopes that there wasn't a maniac around. I'm sorry. I can't help you more, but I, I won't forget. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a press report over the wires. We hope that it is unconfirmed, but we have to doubt it, that the President of the United States has been the victim of an assassination. <laughs> we will play the funeral march from Beethoven's Third Symphony. The tragedy of this day is beyond instant comprehension. All of us who knew him will bear the grief of his death to the day of ours. 
and all men everywhere who love peace and justice and freedom will bow their heads. At such a moment, we can only turn to prayer. What was your reaction, sir? Well, I'm shocked, like the rest of the people are shocked. And how will it affect your plans, sir? Uh, I don't think it'll affect my plans at all, and I don't want to discuss it. Mm -hmm. Sir, have you had any chance to discuss this with anyone? No, nobody, nobody, and I don't care to discuss it. And what are your plans, sir, when you leave Muncie? Going back to Washington. Mm -hmm. Sir, how do you think this will affect the operation of government? Oh, let's not talk about it, mister. The president's been shot. I don't care to discuss politics on a day like this. Thank you. I share the sense of shock and dismay that the entire nation must feel at the despicable act that took the life of the nation's president. This is a sad time for all people. We have suffered a loss that cannot be weighed. For me, it is a deep personal tragedy. I know that the world shares the sorrow that Mrs. Kennedy and her family bear. I will do my best. That is all I can do. I ask for your help and God's. And here comes Lee Harvey Oswald. His back is to you, you can't quite see him. His face is still basic fundamental hygienic uh, rights, I mean, like the shower and the clothes. These people have given me a hearing without legal representation or anything. Can you shoot the president? I didn't shoot anybody, no, sir. Chief Curry, could you detail for us what led you to Oswald? Not exactly, except uh, to get in the building, we... uh, You can move a little bit. When we uh, went to the building, uh, he was observed in the building at the time, but the manager told us that he worked there. You think the smudge smudge fingerprints that have been found on the rifle which killed the president will be able to establish the identity of the killer? We hope so, but I couldn't say. Has he made any admissions at all about the shooting of the police officer? No, he denies everything. Why do you think the police officer went to him in the street? What was the reason? I think he suspected him because of a description that had been put out on the radio. On the police radio. Chief Curry, when you first uh, knew of the Dallas policeman dead, what then led you to the theater? What information did you have from there? I understand that someone called uh, I think the ticket taker from the theater called. Chief, do you have... We did not have... But you were not informed. We had not been informed of this man. Chief, do you have any concern for the safety of your prisoner in view of the high feeling among the people of Dallas over the assassination of the president? No, but precautions necessary... Precautions will be taken, of course, but I'm not... Uh, I don't think that... Uh, that the people are trying to take the prisoner away from us. Now the prisoner uh, wearing a black sweater, he has changed from his T-shirt, is being uh, moved out toward an armored car, being led out by uh, Captain Fritz. There is the prisoner. Do you have anything to say in your defense? There's a shot. Oswald has been shot. Oswald has been shot. A shot rang up. Mass confusion here. Holy mackerel. There's a mass confusion there. Rolling and fighting. As he was being let out, now he's being led back. He was 
thrown to the ground. The police have the entire area blocked off. Did you see it? Eh? What happened? Yeah, I saw the guy. There's a man, a rather stocky man with a hat on. A dark... Um, stocky man with a hat yeah, on? Yeah, he rushed, he crushed, and he shot him there. And I saw the flash, and the Oswald said, oh, and that's it. Oswald doubled over. There was a big struggle on the ground. Just a moment earlier, I had, no doubt foolishly, jumped in front of him to get in a last question to ask him what happened, whether he had anything to say in his defense, and then a split second later, the shot rang out. An ambulance uh, has arrived. They are rushing a mobile stretcher in. Oswald is, was carried back into the uh, hallway. Here is young Oswald now. He is being hustled in. He is lying flat. He, to me, he appears dead. There is a gunshot wound in his lower abdomen. He is white. Pull the top down there, yelling. Here's the driver. Let the driver by. Oswald, white, lying in the ambulance. His head is back. He is out, unconscious. Dangling, his hand is dangling over the uh, edge of the stretcher. And now the ambulance is moving out. The flashing red lights. There are some police officials. Who was he? Jack Ruby is the name. Jack Ruby? Ruby. Carousel Club. He runs the Carousel Club? Oswald expired at 1.07 p.m. He died at 1.07 p.m. We have arrested the man. The man will, will be charged with murder. The body of the late President Kennedy lay in state overnight in the great rotunda of the Capitol. A quarter of a million stricken Americans came from near and far, waited hours in the cold and darkness to pay their final tribute, and 10,000 were still in line when the Capitol's massive bronze doors quietly closed at 9 o'clock this morning. People at the curb are silent. They say nothing. They simply watch. There is some movement now on the sidewalks. People who were at the Capitol to watch the casket carried down and placed on the caisson are now beginning to stream up the sidewalk toward the White House. This is the Air Force Band. Mrs. Kennedy now standing with her brother-in-law, the Attorney General, has moved forward as she has moved to within three or four feet of the bronze casket. Her veil gently blowing in this breeze. The troops will be brought to present arms and a 21-gun salute will be sounded. Robert Kennedy has brought Mrs. Jacqueline Kennedy to a position directly in front 
of the casket and next to it And there you have it. My thanks to the late Dave Eliason for those recordings from the weekend of the JFK assassination and all of the events surrounding it. And my thanks again to Don Mitchell for granting us our interview and for letting us feature his interview with the Dallas Police Department from November 22, 1963. And this has been OK Boomer's year-end edition. I'd like to thank Bob and Marcia Smith of the Off-Ramp, RRP's Roger Ramjet, Becky Salazar, Jill Graskowitz, Sharon Lawless, Sarah Heyer, and Christy Bussler. I'd also like to thank the SIU Small Business Incubator and Deb Barnett. Join us next year, that's a week from now, at 10 o'clock for OK Boomer on WDBX Carbondale.